Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Skip to four-year degree and just get out of high school, save up $15,000 and put 3% down on a two-unit or four-unit. That's the only thing you do just based on appreciation and the principal pay down and all that stuff. You could have a really, really big asset by the time you go to retire and cash flow. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Jarius Dwyer. Jarius is joining us from Cincinnati, Ohio. He is the owner of JDS Holdings and Homes by Cityscape, which buys and renovates single-family and multifamily properties to rent. Jarius is also a GP on 51 units and two hotels. Jarius, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure. Hey, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. My background, it's a wide assortment of things. So I'll give you a quick rundown. Basically, graduated high school, 2002. The GPA was a 1.53. I graduated 311th out of 320 kids, nine from the bottom. So I go to my exit interview in high school with a guidance counselor. He asked me what I want to do after high school. I said what I thought was the right answer. I said, I want to go to college. Then he asked me if I had any more real expectations. So then I was like, well, okay, maybe college isn't the way. So then I walked across the hall to a Army National Guard recruiter and joined the military. So I was in the Army National Guard in Ohio as a helicopter mechanic and a diesel mechanic for nine-ish years. And during that time, it was one week and a month commitment. So I did that. And then I was always trying to do other things on the side. I dabbled in network marketing for a while. That was not great. Really ran a bunch, bunch of credit card debt and destroyed my credit. So that was a obstacle. But one thing it taught me was the power of residual income. I knew it was something that had to be included in my life. However, that happened at the time. I wasn't sure yet, but I knew that had to happen. And OPM and just cash flow quadrant, Robert Kiyosaki 101, I knew I had to get on the other side of the cash flow quadrant and stop trading my time for money. So again, I knew that was super important and that was all learned through network marketing. So fast forward to about the time I got out of the military, I got out, I had still really not made any money at all in network marketing. So I went to South Carolina, ended up getting a bartending job. 
kind of close to where I was stationed in Hilton Head. And I did that for a few years. And all while I was doing that, I had a friend that I was connected to in network marketing here in Cincinnati that was basically making a boatload of money in real estate with no money. And it was called wholesaling. And he kept telling me, he's like, you come up here and do it. It doesn't take any money or any credit. And I was like, well, that's good. I don't have either of those things. I don't have, I don't have anybody. My credit was like a 473. I just, I will never forget that number because it was just like, what do you do? How do you come back from a 473? But you can, I promise. I did it. So I wish your GPA was that high, don't you? Yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> but then I ended up coming up to Cincinnati and got started wholesaling houses. And that's how I initially got started in real estate. Curious, how many years ago was that, that you started? 2011. Okay. So just over 10 years ago. Yeah. Tell me how your real estate journey got you to where you are today. So you started wholesaling houses and you seem like a really ambitious guy. So I'm imagining you fast-tracked your way to success. Yeah, that's a good imagination. Did not happen like that. Sorry. wholesaling, Wholesaling was awesome, right? But I did have massive success in wholesaling and I ended up starting my own company in 2012 and just going on my own. And I wholesaled for about six or seven years. So my thing is I wholesaled probably for three or four years longer than I really needed to, if that makes sense. So I say that because wholesaling taught me everything, right? It laid the foundation of everything that I needed to know going forward. I just didn't know it at the time. It helped me learn how to evaluate deals. It helped me learn how to talk to investors. It helped me build relationships with other real estate agents, REO agents, just all these different people. It laid the foundation for what I was doing. And I made a boatload of money doing it. And I loved it. And it was Tons of fun. And we did really, really well. We ended up growing like a real wholesale company out of it. We had acquisition people. We had salespeople. We had a full-time person that helped with off-market deals, like letters and different kinds of campaigns. And at the end of the day, I realized I never moved on that cash flow quadrant, right? I stayed still trading my time for money. Even though we had people that worked for us, we would never become free owning a wholesale company. And I would see investors that I knew that were just building wealth by buying and holding these properties. And a really good friend of mine, Nate, was just like a huge inspiration in that. He was just buying 40 units, 50 units, just all these different deals. And I was still over here making like $150,000 a year wholesaling. But if I stopped wholesaling, I stopped making money. And so many of the other investors that were wholesaling houses too are people that are buying them and keeping them. And that's really powerful. So about a seven-year mark of wholesaling, six or seven years, when I decided just to stop. And not just stop, but really slow down and focus on more acquiring and keeping these properties to building a portfolio. And your friend, Nate, is Nate Barger, the legend that we've uh, had the pleasure of interviewing, good friend of both of ours. That's awesome. When you say we, can you uh, describe the size of the company that you built wholesaling? Of course. So it was my friend, uh, Tyler, Tyler Parker and I's company. So Tyler really ran the acquisition side a lot. And then I ran like the sales and some other backend stuff. And then we had two other acquisition associates. We had three people that were on it acquisitions. And then we had four salespeople, including myself. And then we had one full-time admin that helped us with just handwriting letters, handwriting this and that, closing, coordinating. That was basically our team right there. Okay. So you built a legit company and you're turning and burning houses. I would think that you can easily transition all of those systems and people into a different process, buy and hold or multifamily instead of single family. How did you transition out of wholesaling? Man, it just happened by accident. I went from three units to 20 in two years. And I went really fast and made a ton of mistakes. 
it just happened that I just got almost just too busy to even think about wholesaling because my rentals were just taking up so much of my time. So it happened by accident. And at the time it was really stressful because on a lot of the projects that I was doing, I just honestly, I didn't really borrow enough for rehab money because I was making so much in the wholesaling world in the first year as I'm transitioning that I'm like, well, I'll just borrow less and it'll look better for the investor. I'll show them these numbers that I don't need this much money. And all actuality, like I needed the money and I didn't know that because in the first year I was wholesaling houses to help fund rehabs that I under borrowed on. So huge mistake that I made that I thought made me look better, but in the end was kind of stressful, but it, it just happened by doing it. What was your very first multifamily purchase? So this is a good question. My very first multifamily purchase was a house that I ended up finding an off-market house. It's a three unit in an area in Cincinnati in Price Hill called the Incline District. So I'll back up a step. I'll tell you about my first rental property. It's a single family house and it's not glamorous. So my friend, Nate Berger, kept telling me, you got to start buying rentals. You got to start buying rentals. So I went and I found these two deals that we were wholesaling. I just wholesaled them to myself. They're ranches on a slab in Mount Healthy in Cincinnati. It's an area, it's just kind of like out there. It's not really by the city, but I ended up buying them both with my partner, Tyler. So I call Nate out and I'm like, Nate, I did it. I got my first rental properties. They're these three bed, one bath, ranch on a slab. I'm like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be just like you. It's going to be amazing. And he's like, why are you buying stuff in Mount Healthy? There's nothing happening there. There's no jobs going there. There's no restaurants. There's nothing happening in Mount Healthy. He's like, that's not a good deal. And I was like, all right. So I ended up just selling those to my partner. Tyler, do you just want to take it? You can just get them for what we got them for. I think he still has them to this day. And they've been fine. So then I got with Nate. I'm like, so where do I go? I thought I did it, but I did it wrong. So basically we were looking for parts of Cincinnati where things were happening, right? So that led us to the Incline District in Price Hill. And this was six years ago. And it had just got rezoned an entertainment district, which means that they gave away five liquor licenses for new restaurants and bars and things to come up. And also means like there's investment to follow. Like they don't, that following the trend, they don't give that away to a city or a neighborhood and then just let it die. That's just not what they do. So I started focusing more attention up there. So then I found a three-unit apartment. I ended up buying my very first deal for $17,500. Now, that's awesome. But on the flip side of that is I had to put in $130,000. It was a gigantic rehab for somebody that understood rehabbing kind of, but didn't really get it. I saw a lot of people doing it because I was wholesaling houses to them. And it was a huge rehab to do for my very first project. And I muscled through and I was able to get it finished. So... I was into that deal with all my own cash because prior to that, I had house hacked the house I live in. It was a wholesale deal that I ended up buying and built a lot of equity. And so I had $130,000 line of credit on that house. So I was into my first rental for $150,000. So I wanted to burn, right? Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. So a big part of that is being able to get your money back out. So this area is still up and coming. There's not a lot of comps or anything. So my first deal went terribly looking back at it, but honestly, it was all worth it. It built the foundation. So I wanted to get my cash back out of the deal. So I went to the bank and got an appraisal done on the property. The appraisal for this property came back at $135,000. Now I'm into it for 150 and the bank's only going to lend you 75% of whatever you're into it for. So I ended up getting back from the bank just over $100,000. So I basically left $50,000 in my first deal, but I just knew what was happening. And $100,000 was still a lot of money. So moving on to my other deals, instead of just 
putting all my cash in to doing these deals, I Robert Kiyosaki did, right? Other people's money. And I just took that $100,000 and just started putting that down to start borrowing money from private people to kind of keep my money, but be able to scale a lot faster. So, And how did you go about getting other people's money? Man, back then, I feel like there wasn't as many people doing real estate out loud. I say now, like, there's just like a show everywhere about real estate, right? And back then, when I was doing real estate, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that long ago, six years ago, people saw me. They saw me involved in real estate as far as the wholesale company I'd always put before and afters of investors' houses, post pictures of houses that we have coming up. So when people thought real estate, my name was one of the first names they came up. So when I started going in and buying on my own, certain people saw that and they probably thought that I knew a little bit more than I did just because of how much wholesaling stuff I did. And I wasn't like an expert yet on construction, on all those other parts of real estate. But they found me from just having a presence in real estate, just being involved in real estate, sharing photos on Facebook of stuff that I've done, um, that I've been a part of as far as wholesaling and then listing and then um, all that stuff. I was just active in social media so people saw it. So when I started buying my own things, I just had a couple of people reach out to me that are like, hey, we lend money if you ever need money. And yeah, I'll take some money. So it's just being present. It's so important. Being present and just putting on display what you're doing. Because it's, it's really interesting. Never know at the end of the day who has extra money that they want to put in real estate. Yeah, that is such a great point. It's so important to put yourself out there. Let people know what you're doing. Bring them into your world. So when you do have an ask, they feel like they're already connected to you. Yeah, great big example. time. So many people want to put pictures of what they had for dinner last night on Facebook or their new car, but put what you're doing. Like you're putting real estate, you're renovating bathrooms, whatever you're doing in real estate is super interesting for a lot of people. And that's something they want to learn more about. Jarius, what does your current portfolio look like? We've got 51 units right now. Two of them are short-term rentals. And these are ones that I own hundred percent of. And then I'm partners on some other apartments and two hotels. And the properties that you own, are they multifamily, single family? I have four single families in that portfolio. The rest are all multifamilies. And there's a commercial building in downtown Northside that I have too. And what's the commercial building? It's a three unit. So the first floor is retail. And then there's two apartments right above it, two one beds. All right. So now you're speaking my language because you know, I'm not a multifamily guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a commercial guy, right? So what I made know. you buy that? What made you buy that mixed use building? So funny story is actually not to like bring up Nate on everything, but Nate's been a big part of my life, especially getting here. It was a deal that Nate brought to us in the wholesale front a while ago. And at the time, I didn't really have the money to do anything with it. So my friend Grant ended up buying it and he bought it for $200,000 back then. And now Grant's focus has shifted a little bit. He's building tiny container homes at Red River Gorge, which is like super cool. And he needed the money back out of that to finish up this rehab that he's doing down there. So he knew that I was always interested in it. So he called me up and he's like, hey, do you want to buy this? And I was like, well, what do you want for it? And I was thinking like 300000 or whatever. He's like, just like two twenty. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. I was like, I guess I can make that work. So I ended up buying it for two twenty, And then on the appraisal front, it ended up appraising for two eighty five, just as it sat. All right. So have you done more mixed use buildings after that? I have not. Would you consider doing more? Absolutely. Yeah. Why? I love the diversification. I just love how unique it is. On the first floor of this building is, is Hemptations, right? It's a hemp store that does all this different cool stuff. I love the ideas of marrying like small businesses, putting up affordable storefronts for them to grow and get started in and hopefully stay with me. But on the other side is like the rental business and the, the residential that I know so well that I know will carry the mortgage, that will cover the expenses and all that stuff. And I'll still make money. 
But a lot of times these retail spaces on the bottom are just bonuses. I'm looking at an 11 unit right now that I've ran all the numbers just based off of the rentals for the residential units. I could be all in for 650000 and it's $780,000 when we're all done just off the residential. That's not even including any of the retail space on the bottom, which I think is, ends up being 3,500 square feet. How many different units? So it's on 11. Uh, on, the so on the retail side, there's four different units. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. Are you a real estate investor looking to break in the multifamily? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from high-level apartment investing experts while networking with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Corcoran, Jocko Willink will be there as well. Be sure to secure your tickets at mfincon.com to find out more. VIP ticket holders can rub shoulders with these high-level speakers after their sessions. For details on sponsorship opportunities and tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use the promo code BESTEVER and get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com. Promo code best ever. I want to dive into that mixed use for just a bit. I actually recorded a solo podcast on mixed use buildings that should be coming out soon. And the multifamily guys and girls are scared of the commercial side of mixed use. The commercial guys like me do not want to deal with the apartments. So there are niches that just fall through the cracks. So best ever listeners, everybody should be looking into mixed use properties and just a crazy story I'll share real quick. There was a mixed-use property in Norwood, part of Cincinnati, and it was four apartments over 3,000 square feet of office, retail, whatever you want to call it. And nobody wanted it. It was $150,000, sat on the market forever. And I owned the building next door, and I had a restaurant in there. So it, and it was my restaurant, which our plan was buy the building next door, expand the restaurant, event center, whatever. I wasn't too keen on getting more residential, so I let it drag for a bit, but a multifamily guy called me and he's like, gosh, I'm looking at this building in Norwood. What do you think? I told him, I know that building. I own the one next door. And I said, what would you value that building at? And he said, well, ARV for the whole thing, just the apartments rather, ARV for the apartments would be 280. And I'm like, oh my God, you could buy this for 150. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pass. I don't want the commercial. So the crazy thing is, if this was a four-unit apartment building, all you multifamily guys and girls would be jumping all over it in the mid to high twos. But because they threw in an extra commercial spot, nobody wanted it, including me, right? Listen, I didn't want to deal with the renovation of the apartments, the tenants. 
I ended up buying it for 150 appraised at 410. So mixed use, man, that's the way to go. And often, like you said, the retail or office or whatever is on the first floor is just a bonus. Your apartments cover all the rents. Thanks for bringing that up. How are you finding deals today, Jarius? I find a lot of deals on the MLS and everybody says there's nothing on the MLS. I literally just bought a single family house yesterday that was listed on the market for six days and it had time to sit. There's deals out there and you just have to know how to run the numbers on them. And I'm not really buying single families. The only reason I bought this was because it's really close to where I have a lot of rental properties and I want to make sure this stays really nice. So I'm buying it to make sure my investments stay in the category I want them to be. Really, really nice, young professionals, really high-end finishes, just a really, really nice rental properties. How are you finding multifamily deals? I see them on the MLS. The one I just mentioned that 11 mixed use was on the MLS. I'm sending letters. I'm looking for people that have owned properties for 20 years or longer. And I'll send letters saying, hey, if you're interested in selling, please let me know. You're using your wholesaling background to acquire properties as well. For somebody that doesn't have any wholesaling experience, if they came up to somebody like you and said, hey, I'm looking for this particular niche, would you engage and would you run the postcards, run the marketing for them for a fee? Probably not. I would know some people though that I could turn them onto that probably would. Okay. I'm really more focused on just kind of finding my own deals. But if I find a deal that doesn't fit whatever I'm doing for whatever reason, I would wholesale to them. You know, I could Perfect. get their yeah. information to do that. Yeah. I think people with those skills, the wholesaling skills are underrated and they often stick to the one thing that they're doing, whether it's wholesaling single families or multifamilies, they don't venture out of their comfort zone into commercial, into industrial, into medical, right? A lot of opportunities out there. Julius, if you had to start all over today, lost everything back to your 400 credit score, what would you do? I would do the same thing I did. I would start wholesaling houses and start grinding out. The skills that we learn, we can physically lose everything tomorrow, but I know I could start back and I would scale twice as fast as what I did in the beginning if I lost everything. But I would start with wholesaling houses. Wholesaling houses, I plug into more events. Networking is gigantic. Network around the people you want to be like, spend more time around them. It really opens your eyes to a whole new world. That's what I would do. I would, I would start wholesaling and I would just start networking like crazy with everybody that's where I want to be. How do you network? What's an effective strategy that you use to network with people? That's a good question. I've done it a few different ways and I'll kind of lay out a couple of strategies that I followed. So for me, I looked for a lot of investors. I wanted to build a buyer's list or whatever it was, but I would go to houses where I saw dumpsters that looked like they were getting worked on or renovated and I would stop. And a lot of times it's the person that owns it would be there doing something. I would talk to them, get to know them. And then I would go to local real estate meetups, whether it's RIA's, Facebook groups are gigantic now. We have such an amazing resource on Facebook. You can learn anything from there. Find good, reputable groups with people that know what they're doing. Plug into that. YouTube is a great resource. I would hire a coach or a mentor. It's so, so underrated. It's such a stigma sometimes about that. But I always tell people, it's like, I'm not even paying the coach for what they know. I'm paying them for what they didn't know. I want to learn exactly what not to do and everything. But I would just get connected, whether it's on social media, Facebook, RIA groups, just everything like that. Jarius, great advice. Can we dive into the numbers on the last multifamily deal that you found on the MLS? Yeah, it's not a big one though. What's the purchase price? The last one that I found on the MLS, this was a little bit ago, it was $65,000. For how many units? 
two units. And what was the rehab on that? I put 55000 into that one. And you're all in for a buck ten? Yeah, 20. it appraised for one ninety. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a win. Yeah, it's a huge win. It was on the MLS. It was listed. <laughs> I paid list. I would have gladly paid eighty dollars or $90,000 for the building. Why did nobody else jump on that? I just don't know. I can't give you a good answer. Did they the need a lot of work. Look, did the pictures look rough to the point where people just didn't want it? There was a front picture. That was it. There wasn't even pictures on the inside. But I knew what street it was on. I actually owned one two doors down from there. So I was the first one there, baby. That's why I just presented a good offer. It was cash, no inspections, closed quick. So maybe I just got lucky. I don't know. I don't think so. I've gotten great <laughs> deals off the MLS. Matter of fact, I get great commercial deals listed by a residential realtor. Mm-hmm. I mean, just mismarketed or mispriced deals. Your venture into the hotel business, how did that start? First of all, I didn't even know people could buy hotels. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought that Marriott's built a Marriott when they wanted one or whatever it was. So it was right kind of when COVID hit and things kind of slowed down. I'm usually doing six, seven projects at a time. And right kind of when this all happened, things kind of slowed down. I was only doing two and that was fine. I was just hanging out, just kind of living off the passive income. And I just got kind of bored. So I went to my friend, Nate, and I was like, Nate, here's what I got right now. What's the move here? And I owed about $1.7 million on $4.5 million in real estate. Nate's like, you got to get some of this cash out of here. He's like, there's a lot of cash here. And I was like, well, what do I do? And he's like, we'll just get the cash out. So I ended up doing a refi and then pulling out about $650,000. And at the time, they had just closed on a Marriott in Columbus. So I was kind of like following along. I'm like, that's awesome. That's really cool. And then um, Mike, Mike is uh, Nate's partner, Mike Ely. Me and him and I were just talking more and more about the hotels and the other side of stuff. And Mike's like, I can bring you in on something if you want to do that. I'm like, yeah. My thought is I had to go single family, two family, three family, build up units there and then go buy an eight unit or a 24 unit, right? And then I was allowed to go buy hotels, right? Or then I was allowed to. And that was just always weird to me because I'm like, well, I guess I can just for now skip the buying a 20 unit, whatever, and just go straight to buying a Hampton Inn and Staybridge. Like, that's crazy. So I ended up taking the money and then was lucky enough to be a GP on this most recent deal we did. And now we're partnering up doing... $80 $80 million developments in Florida and just all over the place. How did you become a GP on that deal? Based on our relationship and how much more I wanted to grow in the field, like in the hotel business. I am really, really new to it, but I've been plugged into events, like networking events. went to a huge conference down in Atlanta to learn more. And I learned a ton. It was amazing. And I just plan on being more involved in the hotels that we're doing. What kind of returns are you looking for in the hotel? I'm still learning a lot about this. I'd love to be able to get my cash back plus a 10, 12% return over the, the next five years or so. And Jarius, throughout your 10 plus year career in real estate, what's the hardest lesson you've learned? Mm, some of the best deals are the ones you don't do. Sometimes you can get really excited and yeah, you think about it and want to just end up buying something that maybe you shouldn't have bought. And that's happened to me a few times. Explain that to me. So the best deals are ones that you didn't think you were going to buy, but you did buy. No, that I didn't buy. The ones that got away. Yeah. For example, there was a deal in a part of Cincinnati. It was a two family in O'Brienville next to Hyde Park. It's a really nice little pocket in Cincinnati. And at the time it was presented to me, I had four houses going and they were pretty big rehabs. And O'Brienville was going to be a gigantic rehab. And I was like, I guess I'll do it. Like, it would be cool to do it. It was out of my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse, whenever I 
was flipping single family houses was first time home buyers. Houses less than $200,000. And I ended up doing it. I ended up doing it. And this house, when it was all done, it was worth $400,000. I didn't have the manpower. I didn't just didn't have the crew. I didn't have the know-how of how different a $400,000 house is versus a $200,000 house. So I did it. So that, that was just a mistake. Like I, that would have been better off not doing that deal. The best way for me to have done that deal to win is just to not have done it at all. But I did it and I took a huge hit, a huge loss. I ended up having to bring $30,000 to closing just to close it. I was so upside down on that house. Well, we don't get where we are without making mistakes. We've all got those battle scars. So yeah, man. Jerry's, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Get started. Just get started wherever you're comfortable. Get started and just find somebody that can help you that really understands what you want to do. Whether it is you just want to buy two units, four units or whatever it is, just get started. And I think if you're brand new wanting to get into real estate, I think house hacking is so undervalued. Skip the four-year degree and just get out of high school, save up. $15,000 and put 3% down on a two unit or four unit. That's the only thing you do just based on appreciation and the principal pay down and all that stuff. You could have a really, really big asset by the time you go to retire and cash flow. Jerry, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. Let's do it. Jerry, what's the best ever book you recently read? My favorite book that I recently read was Harvey McKay, How to Swim with the Sharks Without Getting Eaten Alive. What was your big takeaway from that? I'm not a great reader. I'll, I'll listen to a lot of different things, but this book was really interesting because the chapters were just like two pages. One thing I really liked that I've been starting to do a lot more is creating a country club feeling. It was a little chapter in there. So I'm not part of a country club, but one of the benefits is when you're done eating, you just kind of put a number down and you're done, right? So whenever I'll take people out and we want to go out to dinner, I'll call the restaurant ahead of time and say, hey, here's my card. At the end, when we're done, don't bring a check Add 25% off for a tip. And we're just going to leave. And people are just like, oh, what happened? And I'm like, oh, it's all right. You know, it's good. And I'm like, all right. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for coming. So just like little tidbits like that are cool things that I was able to pick up from that book. That is cool. Jerry, yeah. so what's the best ever way you like to give back? We don't rent any sexually in houses. We had a couple bad experiences. So we find our own way to give back. So we take 10% of our units, five or six units right now. And we work with a local ministry, like a nonprofit. And we will house people. They're women that have came out of abusive relationships that were addicted to drugs and they just graduated the program. So we would rent to them when nobody else would rent to them really nice apartments at 50% of market rate just to give them a year, two years of, of stable rent income shown or rent history, showing they pay rent on time. And we would have them there for as long they want to stay. But a lot of times they'll end up moving on or something else, but we give back that way by helping out the local church. Yeah, that is great. And Jerry's, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Find me on Facebook, Jerry's Dwarher. I'm sure we can post that somewhere. Instagram, Jerry's D. So you can find me there. And then I also got book. Lots of information about some of the stuff I did. Real Estate Investing 101 is the title of that book. Yep. How you can go from broke, broke to, seven, to figures. seven figures in five simple steps. Awesome. Well, Jerry's, I got to thank you for your time today, man. Sharing your story. You started out with a stellar GPA. I know I made fun of you, but my freshman year GPA was a 1.7. So I'm, I'm in good company here. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, yeah. Against, against all odds. Yeah, man. And listen, your time in the National Guard, thank you for that. The network marketing, credit card debt, 
bartending, and finally getting into wholesale and perfecting your real estate game, now investing in hotels. So, Jarius, thank you again for your time today. Awesome. Thanks, Ash. I'll see you guys soon. Yes, sir. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.